The Luck of Ivan the Forgetful from Peasant Tales of Russia by Vasily Nemirovich Danchenko, translated by Claude Field. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Part 6. The forest was silent. An atmosphere of church-like stillness brooded round every branch and leaf. It seemed as if in the azure heights of the sky a solemn mystery was being performed, and the earth lay silent in solemn awe. The birds were hidden in the bushes, and not a squirrel could be seen. The heat had penetrated even the shady parts of the wood. It was cool only in the ravines, where scanty rivulets trickled over the sandy ground and conjured forth a green cloud of fine, perfumed grass. The profusion of flowers, red, yellow, white, and blue, grew on the slopes. They arranged themselves in most fantastic patterns, crowded together in gay groups, or climbed the hills singly. Some seemed to stretch themselves as though with curiosity on the swaying stems. Others hung their heads languidly. The wild rose-bush opened its first blossoms like thirsty red lips which could not breathe in air enough. From a thousand altars rose incense in this majestic temple, the mysterious celebration continued in the heights above, and the sun glowed and glittered like a golden chalice in the hands of the invisible high priest. Only from one corner came the sound of suppressed laughter. It was difficult to recognize Anyuta again. Her pale face had become sunburnt, her eyes glowed, and her mouth smiled continually. Just now the smile would have turned into loud laughter had not the child feared to awaken the grandfather. The latter had found for himself a cool spot by the edge of the stream, and was sleeping with his cap under his head like an old wolf after a full meal. Anyuta had just been throwing flowers at him. A tiny beetle had crawled out of one, and the child held her breath as she watched its movements. The beetle balanced itself skillfully on one of the longer hairs of Ivan's beard, then fell among the gray stubble, worked its way laboriously out with its slender wings, and finally settled on the old man's nose. Then the little girl could no longer contain herself. She laughed outright and clapped her hands. "'Good for nothing, brat,' growled Ivan. "'Awakening, can't you be quiet?' He shook off the flowers and tried to seize her. Anyuta sprang with a joyous shriek among the reeds rustled about among them, and presently her voice was heard calling from the opposite bank of the stream, "'Catch me, grandfather! Catch me!' "'That beats everything. Go and play with the squirrels. They're just such windbags as you are.' "'But I want to play with you.' "'Well, you will have to wait long for that.' And he crept quietly nearer to her. "'Grandfather, where are you?' she cried in an anxious tone. "'Grandfather, I am frightened.' "'There, I have caught you!' he exclaimed suddenly and held the struggling child fast. How wet you are, regular frog! A child flung her puny arms around his brown, sinewy neck and coaxed him. Grandfather, listen, grandfather, now you be the wolf. You are always wanting something, he grumbled discontentedly. Please, please, you can do it so beautifully. I will be the little hare, little hare with the long ears. Then I must eat you, stupid and the old man took the trouble to roll his eyes and growl fiercely. But it was very difficult to satisfy Anyuta. "'But you don't do it properly. Please, please come. 
She stooped down and looked pleadingly into his eyes, overhung by their shaggy brows. "'Very well, little one. Here goes.' He placed the child carefully on the ground, and crept among the weeds and bushes. The thorn scratched his face and hands, but he had something more important to think about. He lay flat and kept a sharp lookout. Were it not for his eyes, his gray shaggy head might frighten one. In order to heighten the illusion, he gnashed with his teeth, and Yuta played the part of the hare, sprang hither and thither, pulled at the grasses, and waved her hands to and fro above her head to represent long ears. She pretended not to notice the old man. "'I don't see you, grandfather. Really, I don't.' Then the wolf sprang out of his hiding-place. The hare fled to the stream, crossed over, and climbed the opposite bank. But the wicked wolf came creeping nearer and nearer, and seized the poor little animal by the throat with its great jaws. "'Were you very frightened?' the old wolf asked good-humouredly. "'Not a little bit, grandfather. Why does the wolf eat hares?' "'He can't eat grass. He wants flesh. Hares, dogs, fowls, little children like you. It's all the same to him.' He seizes them so, you see, and tears them in pieces. "'Does it hurt them?' asked Anyuta. "'Oh, you stupid, stupid thing! Of course it hurts them. Death is never pleasant.' Anyuta became very thoughtful. "'Do you know, Grandfather,' she said after a pause, "'we won't play that game any more. You must not be a wolf. Wolves are wicked, and you are good.' "'I could, and you?' Ivan made a long pause. Something seemed to stick in his throat. For you, perhaps, I may be good. He cleared his throat violently. <clears throat> you see, Anyuta, when I was little like you, no one said a kind word to me. I was thrashed nearly to a jelly and always black and blue. Otherwise, I would have been good. Why should I be wicked without a reason? Oh, you stupid little thing. What do you want to know about it? Take me on your arm, asked Anyuta, standing on tiptoe. He woke as out of a dream. "'What do you want?' "'Take me on your arm, Grandfather. I am tired.' First you jump about like a hare, then you want to be carried. No, stay down there.' "'Yes, yes, you will take me,' she coaxed him. "'When I ask, you never say no.' "'Look at the little rogue. Shall I break off a switch and whip you? Well, come along, then.' He lifted her up and walked with her deeper into the solemn stillness of the forest. The old man felt his heart grow warmer as the tired child's eyelids gradually drooped, and she began to breathe regularly in his arms. With a kind of pity he looked at the little open mouth and the helpless, dusty little legs as they hung down. And I, too, is one of God's creatures. Why does such a useless thing come into the world? He philosophized to himself, and took the greatest pains to tread gently, and not to move his outstretched arm in order not to wake the child. Part 7 In the middle of the forest was a green meadow traversed by a path along which Ivan was now proceeding. It ended before what looked like a pile of earth and dry sticks, projecting like those of a raven's nest in all directions. At first sight it was hard to recognize what the object of the structure was. It seemed too large for a mere wood-pile, and too shapeless for a human shelter. Close by stood a stake with a long rope attached to it, and at the end of the rope, all day long, there ran about a young bear growling and shaking its head. Just then it stood on its hind legs and sniffed with its snout in the air. Between the trees appeared a dark form, and dry branches lying on the ground cracked under a heavy foot-tread. 
The animal, out of sheer impatience, ran so rapidly around the stake that it completely entangled itself and could not take another step. Forced to stand still, it watched Ivan's approach with its head on one side and an absurdly serious air. Ivan came across the meadow with his burden on his arm. He untied the rope. The liberated baby bear threw itself between his legs, embraced him with its paws, and signified its intention of climbing up him. "'Ah, you want bread, you hungry rascal,' said Ivan. "'I know you. As soon as you are satisfied, off you go.' Anyuta awoke and rubbed her eyes with her little fist. "'That is a fine family,' growled the grandfather. "'Brother and sister, both grown on one tree. The right children for a vagabond. Yes, yes, when a man has no cares, he must make himself some.' He had caught the little bear when he killed its mother, whose skin served Anyuta for a bed. The young animal continued to regard the skin as something alive and related to itself. It always lay close to Anyuta, sucked at the long tufts of hair which it held between its paws, and growled sleepily. The huge raven's nest, which the little girl now entered, discovered itself to be a dwelling. Ivan had burnt off the grass fixed on the leveled ground a rough platform of thick poles and covered it with twigs moss and fresh earth out of which already some green shoots and to anyuta's delight some stunted flowers were springing ivan was very proud of the hut which began to display even some traces of luxury the floor was covered with skins of wolves and bears on the walls there hung whole rows of squirrel skins every fortnight these were sold to a peasant from the village who did not trouble his head about ivan's past the housekeeping also was on a satisfactory basis under the roof hung dried mushrooms from long strings and in a corner stood a sack full of potatoes in the hollow of an old gnarled tree which threw its shade far over the forest clearing some round loaves of black bread as hard as stones were stored up in the wood they always had traps and snares ready set which caught abundance of game when anyuta who had again gone to sleep put her head out of the hut the water bubbled merrily on the pot from which the feet of the plucked fowl projected ivan was busily engaged in slicing potatoes into the broth it smells good said the little girl pursing her mouth in eager expectation but you won't get any said the old man teasingly Oh, yes, I will. You always give me something, even when you remain hungry yourself. What a princess you have become. Yesterday you ate your fill, and now there is no more. Listen, grandfather, said the child after a few moments of reflection. Have you always lived in the forest? Ivan wrinkled his brow and was silent. It is jolly in the forest, continued she. There is no one to beat one. But mother was afraid in it. She said there are wicked and cursed men in the forest. Grandfather, what kind of men are they? Ivan's face became still gloomier. Who has cursed them, grandfather? Has God done it? Will they burn in hell? The old man laid his hand on the child's ruffled hair. May God protect you from them. They are worse than wild animals. An animal, when it is satisfied, can be merciful. But they... He broke off and stared into the fire. "'But what do they do?' the child urged him in her keen curiosity. "'Grandfather, what do they do? Are they villains?' "'Be off!' cried the convict suddenly. "'Get away, or I shall beat you. What nonsense are you talking?' He pushed the child violently to one side. Before her stood all at once a completely altered grandfather. 
In his sunken eyes there glowed a lurid spark, his gray hairs bristled, and his face twitched convulsively. His breast heaved with a rattling sound, and his hand was clenched as though to strike. And Yuta stared back in wild terror. Even the baby bear was alarmed and slunk into the hut with its tail between its legs. Ivan stood for a long while motionless. Then he sat down silently by the fire and stirred it up. Cursed! Cursed! He murmured to himself, Who has cursed them? God pardons sinners, they say. Come, he said gloomily to the little one. Sit down here. It's all right. I'm frightened. Ivan bent lower over the fire. The past will not let itself be buried, he thought. Why must I frighten an innocent creature, too? Then again his memory stung him, and he cried in a new outburst of rage, Who dares curse me, you hard-hearted? Yes, it is all right, he added, trying to quiet the child, who was still trembling. You say you love grandfather? So come nearer. But Anyuta stared hard at him, did not move. Look at the nice soup, he said to tempt her, and recovered his self-control. We will take the fowl out by its legs. It shall have a special privilege, and lie on the grass till it is cool. Else you will burn your mouth. Anyuta approached with visible mistrust. "'Why are you afraid, you simpleton? Bring our spoons. Oh, you stupid thing! Have I ever hurt you? You look so dreadful, quite like another man.' "'Oh, that was only a joke. I wanted to show you what wicked men look like. You always asked me to play wolf. Just now I played bad man.' "'I'm not so frightened at the wolf as at the bad man.' "'Ah, child, one must sympathize with them. Do you think it is easy to be bad?' The Lord has made it hard enough for them. They must suffer much. It is not really of their own accord that they seize everyone by the throat. They say that God hears children's prayers. Pray then, Anuta. O oh God, have mercy on the wicked men. The good need no one to pray for them. They are safe anyhow. End of Part 7 Recording by Kevin Davidson www.blogordie.com